Imitating Jesus' Humility. That's the title for today. It's the, the subheading that this passage comes under in most Bibles. Certainly most Bibles that I've seen, certainly the ones I looked at to check when I was writing this. But they can be tricky things, those subtitles. Helpful, to be sure, especially when you're trying to find a particular passage in the Bible, you're not sure exactly where it is, and for some strange reason you're not just Googling it. But of necessity, a subtitle, a subheading, is boiling down the passage to just a few words. And of course, that can oversimplify things, especially when words can have nuances and those nuances can change subtly. So I did want to start today just by noticing that imitating Jesus' humility is actually pulling together two separate ideas from the passage we just had read. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. And then a little while afterwards says, in that great poem of the self-emptying, the kenosis, um, theologians call it, of Jesus, let the same mind be in you as was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. The two, humility on the one hand, and let the same mind as was in Jesus be in you, are slightly apart. Does it matter? I think it maybe does, and my reason for thinking that goes back to a game of squash that I played against my brother Andy something over 30 years ago, but still remember. Now, Andy, my slightly older than me brother, was much better at all sport than me, always. But we both really enjoyed squash, and there was one summer when we were both at university that we took to playing squash fairly regularly. And I never won. Never. It was never even a question of whether I was going to win. The question was, would it be 9-love or 9-1 that Andy beat me? He really was a lot better than me. It was about 50-50 whether I would get a single point in the game. I don't think I ever got more than three didn't stop me enjoying the games at all. In fact, when your expectation is that you will lose nine love, you can't be disappointed. You can only exceed expectations, and that's actually pretty good. But on one occasion, our mum suggested to Andy that he didn't actually need to always win quite as completely as he did. Wasn't it, she said, just his pride that made him refuse to even lose a single point to his little brother, his annoying little brother, she probably said. And wasn't humility, not pride, the Christian virtue? 
And Andy replies, and I still remember the words, that false humidity, humility is just a pain. Or perhaps you prefer a more literary example, the ever-so-humble Uriah Heep from Dickens's David Copperfield, whose fawning declarations of the humility of his position hid his scheming plans to dishonestly advance his personal status. Or maybe we just take seriously the modern psychological research, especially in the area of positive psychology, which casts considerable doubt on the mental health, the benefits of putting yourself down in the classic way that humility gets understood. Thinking worse of yourself than the truth. So humility, it seems to me, for some good reasons and some not so good reasons, has a pretty poor reputation in the modern world. But what I was actually surprised to find is that it doesn't have much of a better reputation in the Bible. The word that Paul uses here that gets translated as humility only gets used three times in the whole of the Bible. And the other two are absolutely negative. The other two times this word humility gets used is where Paul is condemning a sort of fawning form of religious observance, more like Uriah Heep. Um, than like the humility he's calling for here. A form of religious observance which puts yourself down but has only the appearance of wisdom and is condemned. So humility doesn't get that good a run in the Bible either. But here we have it. We have a call to to humility, to the humility of mind that regards others as better than yourself. Actually, that word better even carries an interesting meaning, one that's a bit alien to us in a very egalitarian society. It's really got that sense of better as in your betters. The old-fashioned meaning of those higher in the social hierarchy than you are. Some English translations actually translate it as those who are more important, consider others as more important than you are. That's got its own problems as well. But it carries a different sense of the vibe. In humility, consider others to be higher in the pecking order than you are. We might make better sense of this humility from the context. It's set in direct contrast with the first half of that sentence, selfish ambition and conceit. And then it's immediately followed by, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. 
the humility that we're called to as followers of Jesus isn't the humility of putting yourself down or of pretending to be less than you are. It's really about the humility of motivation and of action. Not an attitude of mind so much as an attitude of decision. It's a call to set aside the selfish, whether that be selfish ambition or self-importance or self-interest in favour of the other. It's a call to consider the needs of others, even if by doing so you may not attain the advancement you might or the reputation you perhaps deserve or may not even meet the needs that you have. In this respect, what Paul is calling Jesus' people to and this shouldn't come as any surprise, is actually an aspect of love. It's an attitude of love. For one of the defining features, of course, of love is that it considers the needs of the beloved beside or even before its own needs. And that's why this call to this form of humility leads so naturally into the description of Jesus' self-emptying as the ultimate example of that sort of humility, that sort of practical love. And even here, I actually find it noteworthy that Paul doesn't say Empty yourself like Jesus did. He doesn't say set aside any honour you have. He doesn't say become the lowest. He says have a mind like that of Jesus who emptied himself. As if he's using Jesus emptying himself not so much as an example to follow as an illustration of what having that sort of mind is like. This is what a mind which considers the needs of others led Jesus to. For Jesus, the mind of love, the mind that put the needs of others alongside or before his own, the mind that set aside ambition for self, that mind led him to the incarnation, to the setting aside of the rights of divinity. It led him to a life lived for others, a death died for others. It's an example that we cannot, in any literal sense, follow. We have no divinity that we can set aside. 
And if we were called to death, even death on a cross, I'm not sure how many of us would be up for it. But read it as an illustration, as a demonstration, an outworking of the mind of Jesus. He did that because of the mind of love. And seek to have in you that same mind as was in him, the Apostle writes. So the challenge, surely, is to ask, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? to do nothing from selfish ambition, to regard others as of greater importance. What does it mean for me, for you, to say that the advancement of others, the empowerment of someone else, the fulfillment of another's needs is as important or more important than those things for yourself. To truly rejoice more in the success of another than you would in your own success. Perhaps we can imagine it in some cases. Those who are parents, perhaps, can imagine taking even greater joy in the success of a child than you would in your own. What would it mean to have the mind of Christ which would take that same joy in the success of anyone. What does it mean in practice to look to the needs and the interests of others alongside or before your own? To be willing to set aside something that you wants or something that you do or something that you have or something that you feel because someone else has need of it. This call to imitating Jesus' humility, it isn't the false humility of losing a game of squash to your little brother. It isn't the fawning humility of Uriah Heep that hides, papers over the ambition or the greed. It isn't the psychologically dubious practice of putting yourself down and treating yourself as unimportant, as inferior. None of those things are in the humility of Jesus. 
the humility of love. The humility that considers others before oneself. That is the call to imitate. And I think that's harder than just choosing to lose a game of squash. Amen.